So I've had to try to train myself to slow down so I can make it because otherwise I found if I don't do that by mile four, I'm done. Diz Runs Radio episode 802 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. guys, uh, today's episode of the show is brought to you by YNAB. I've talked about YNAB a few times. Uh, it's, it's the letters Y-N-A-B standing for you need a budget. Um, and I'm not here to tell you that you need a budget. I'm here to tell you, though, that having a budget has helped us uh, quite a bit. We started using YNAB uh, earlier this year. It's a, it's a budgeting software that uh, really is is a little bit different than what uh, maybe if you've tried budgeting before and it hasn't really worked for you, you're not really a big fan of it. Uh, it, it works a little bit differently. To, it had a little bit of a learning curve for for me and, and for us, but uh, boy, it's made a difference. And, and just recently, um, we had a, a situation where uh, Rebecca had bought something online and then canceled the order and, and was on the phone and had said, you know, the, the people that she had talked to said, yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll cancel your order and refund you, um, you know, Christmas present type of stuff. And uh, lo and behold, we still got charged. Never would have noticed it, more than likely, uh, had it not been for YNAB because it, it came through and it was like, wait a second, what is what is this charge? Like, is this is this what we had thought it was? Uh, long story short, uh, that that one single thing more than paid for uh, the the cost of the service for a year. Um, but beyond that, uh, YNAB has definitely paid for itself many times over with just allocating funds and making sure we're on the same page. So you know, if you if you're planning your your race uh, budget for the year and and you know shoe budget and things like that, and uh, you know, I mean. I, we all know our sport can be a little bit uh, pricey on occasion. Uh, YNAB might be something that would be very helpful for you, something that would be useful to check out. Uh, and if you use my link, you can you can get a free trial anyway. You know, if you just go to YNAB, it's, it's the letters YNAB.com. You get, a, you get a free month, actually free 34 days to kind of go through a full monthly billing cycle, payment cycle, all those types of things. But if you, if you use my link, you'll get that free month still. Um, and then if you decide that, hey, this might be useful, it might be something that, that might be worth uh, checking out. Um, when you sign up for a year, You'll get another month free, so you get you know twelve or thirteen months for the price of twelve, which isn't you know maybe isn't a game changer, but it's certainly better than a stick in the eye. Um, and it also, full disclosure, gives me an extra free month as well. But I'm I'm already paying for my year. Uh, but you know if you want to help me out, give me an extra month, helping me out while helping yourself out, of course, uh, that would be awesome. So head over to disruns.com/slash/ynab. Disruns.com/slash/ynab. Uh, and with this episode coming out, the first uh, first part of 2020, maybe it's a great time to, to kind of reassess the budget, uh, get yourself on track financially, get your or help stay on track financially, maybe help you stay on track with your running as well by getting that, that running budget and, and making sure things are, are all situated on that front as well. But uh, if you don't need it, no worries. If it might be worth checking out, try it for a month for free. And if you have any questions, like I said, it was a bit of a learning curve for me. I'm happy to... to offer my suggestions, uh, but that YNAB has a lot of training, uh, options available as well. So anyway, sorry for the long winded intro, but YNAB has been, it's been a game changer for us in the last six months. Um, and I like to think we were pretty good financially anyway, but it's really been a game changer. Uh, so if you, if you want to check something out, might help you. Uh, I would encourage it. Disruns.com slash YNAB. And now 
without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's guest is another one of those folks that uh, I would have probably never connected with if it wasn't for one of you saying that I should invite this person onto the show. So uh, Chris, I know you're listening. Thank you for making the connection. Uh, my guest today is obviously a runner uh, and he's also a fellow podcaster, which is always fun to kind of talk shop a little bit, podcasting, things of that nature. Um, he's also a former cast member at Walt Disney World and a frequent visitor to the House of Mouse, which is, uh, is as you've probably heard over the years, a place that uh, I tend to go on, on occasion as well. So uh, that means there's a, probably a pretty good chance that uh, at least a little bit of today's episode will have a, you know, a heavy dose of uh, Run Disney and maybe a sprinkling of pixie dust as, as we go as well. Um, so I'm excited to uh, invite and, and welcome Mr. Matt Crawl to the show. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Denny. Thanks for having me. And special shout out to Chris for introducing me to you in the first place. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Chris is a wonderful lady. So thank you for, for her for setting this up. Um, and guys, like I said, Matt has a, a podcast and it's 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 uh, Disney World or, or you know Disney themed, uh, as you can probably figure out from the title. Uh, it's called Imagineer Podcast. And you can find the, the website, ImagineerPodcast.blog. Obviously, Imagineer Podcast, pretty much wherever you're listening to this, unless you listen to it on, on my website, in which case it's not going to be there. But if you listen to this on any, you know, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Google, wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for Imagine Your Podcast. If you want to want a little bit of Disney in your life, that is the place to find Matt's show. Um, on social media, you can pretty much find him on, on all the socials at Imagine Your Podcast, except for Twitter. Twitter's the outlier. It's Imagineer News on Twitter. All one word for both of those: Imagineer Podcast, Imagineer News. Uh, and if your if your head is spinning, you're not sure which way is up. Uh, Disruns.com slash eight zero two is a link for today's show notes. Well, you can head back over there, and as per usual, have all the things linked up there. All of Matt's uh, you know podcast information, social media information, um, photos, links, whatever. It'll all be there. Anything we talk about, Cliff's notes. Disruns.com slash eight zero two. So, Matt, the way we always uh, start off each episode of the show uh, is with a, a very simple question, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun way to kind of get the conversation started, and it usually provides a dozen different you know, opportunities for places to, to steer the conversation after that. But uh, it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? So I am a fairly new runner compared to most people. And because of that, I have to say the 10K, only because I'm not really up to the half marathon mark yet. I feel like the 10K is, at least for me, enough of a challenge to make me feel accomplished, but not so far that I feel like I've overdone it. And especially when it comes to run Disney, I really enjoy the 10K. So I have to say that's probably my favorite right now. That's, you know, every so often somebody mentions the 10K on on the show and um, I feel like I feel like I probably say the same thing every time that, that somebody mentions that that distance. I really like it, and I wish that in our area there were there were more 10ks. Like we have one or two per year. Other than I mean, I guess the Run Disney ones are always an, always an option uh, as well, since I live close enough for that. Um, but it's like you know, like we have 5ks in our in our town. It seems like just about every single week throughout the year. You know, the, the beauty of Central right. Florida is even in the winter time, it's 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 certainly that's that's the best time to race. Um, but it's like, we only have one or two 10 Ks and it would be, it'd be nice to have a little more cause it's you just stretch the legs out a little bit longer, but it's not, like you said, it's not quite as, as far as obviously, you know, math wise, it's not quite as far as, as the half marathon or even a 10 mile, something like that. It's, it's a good challenging, fun distance. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I love the 10 K as well, even though that probably wouldn't have been my answer. That's still, that's, that's a great, I, I really do like the 10 K when it's all said and done. And chances are, you know, if I do get up to that half marathon mark, I have a strong feeling that will become my favorite. But for now, it just seems like the 10K is my, my favorite right now. 
Hey, and that's that's one of the beauties of our of our sport is you know there's always you know wherever you know you like them long you like them short whatever there's there's always opportunities but like like you said there uh, in kind of answering that question Matt that that you haven't been been running very long how you know how did you well how, first of all I guess maybe the, the first question how how long have you been kind of uh, participating in this in this sport that uh, everybody listening certainly knows and loves. A little more actively, I'd say, or officially in the last year, and that's about it. I had in the past for the last, I'd say for like the last three or four years, I've done 5Ks and kind of capped it at that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've given it, you know, I, I haven't just done the the walking of the 5Ks, not that that's a problem at all, but I've really tried to get as good of a pace as I can with the 5Ks and increase my speed. But it was only in the last year that a good friend of mine who happens to do a lot of run Disney, and she's done about... I don't know how she has like 30, 40 medals. And I'm sure there's people have even more than that. But she uh, she said, you're a huge Disney fan. You do run. Why don't you do run Disney? And I said, honestly, I don't know why I don't do run Disney, probably because I don't have anybody to run with. And so she said, well, we're going in February for the princess half marathon weekend. You should go and do the same. So my wife and I booked a trip. And my wife did the the 5K with me and the 10K with me. We did not do the half marathon. Of course, our friend did mm-hmm. all three of them. And I really enjoyed it. But I've only really been doing it for the last year. And especially because I'll throw in that my wife is a, as a teacher. So we don't always get the chance to do all the run Disney events because they're often, for example, the marathon weekend is, although it's a weekend, it's January, mm-hmm. so it's hard for my wife to take any time off uh, as an educator, so it's very difficult for us to get to them. But the Princess Half Marathon Weekend usually aligns with President's Week, which up here in New York, we get the full week off. Right. So that we actually turn into a full Disney vacation, and it's become our now, this is our second year, we're going to do it again, and I have a feeling it's going to become an, an annual occurrence for us. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's crazy how once you get started, especially with, with some of the bigger events, and, and obviously you know when it comes to run Disney, if you're if you're a Disney fan and you're and you're getting into running, um, I mean, man, there's there's no uh, better way to to or or maybe worse way. I don't know, depending on how, which way you want to look at it. Uh, but but to really kind of go hook, line, and sinker into into running, um, and then you know potentially continuing to creep up in the distances and start looking at, at, you know, maybe the half marathon one of these years. Um, but yeah, for, for your wife and, and my, my wife is a, is a teacher as well. Um, and yeah, that, that marathon weekend is tough because obviously for us, it's not as big of a deal cause we're 40 minutes away, but you know, coming from out of town, yeah, right. it's like, you just come back from Christmas, new year vacation. Um, and I think most schools don't really look too favor- favorably on teachers planning vacation for the next week, you know, coming right off of, of the holiday season. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one for a lot of people to get to, I'd imagine. Yeah. And even our friend is also a teacher. She she somehow manages to do more of the run Disney events. She'll usually skip the 5K and do the 10K and the half or just the half. But the the princess half weekend is really tough because, again, she does all three. And especially the teachers get a little bit of an extra uh, slap on the wrist if they extend the holiday by a day. So Mm -hmm. Sunday is the half marathon. And, you know, she had 
been waking up three days at three in the morning to do the races. <laughs> and then we have to take an evening flight back. And of course, we try to make it the latest flight possible to still get a full day at the parks. And I know for our friend, our friend's name is Jen. I know for Jen, especially that Monday morning is very rough <laughs> to yes. go back to work. Yes, I would imagine. I'd imagine. Um, so, you know, like, like you said, in, in the last you know year or so, kind of, of looking into more run Disney events and, and certainly extending out to, to the 10 Ks a little bit more. Um, how, how is, how, you know, like you said earlier as well, you know, you were getting to the point where you're racing the 5Ks and really kind of trying to push it and get faster, things of that nature. Um, how have you find, how have you found extending the distance to be? Has that been a struggle with, with going a little bit longer? You're going twice as far, obviously, you know, again, simple math here, 5 to 5K to 10K. Um, has, has extending out the distance been, been enjoyable? Has it been a challenge? How, how has that process played out for you? It's definitely been a combo of the two. It's been enjoyable. I, I definitely like running. I think that's probably where I, I feel like I probably have that runner bug in me and should, if I really go for it, I could do the half marathons and the full marathons just because I feel like I do enjoy running. It's also been challenging to get to the 10K mark because, like I said, I had been working on speed for the 5Ks and the it just does the energy level to do to maintain that speed for a 10k just doesn't work. So the struggle I've had is actually slowing down to keep my endurance to instead of running for, you know, for 5k, I might shoot for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But for a 10k to run a 10k in 40 minutes is actually pretty challenging uh, (laughs) to run at that speed for that long. So I've had to try to train myself to slow down so I can make it because otherwise I found if I don't do that by mile four, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I just can't, I can't do it any longer. So that's been the biggest challenge is slowing down so I can continue to maintain that energy that I need to go for the hour, hour 10, however long it might take to do a 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a feeling that a lot of people listening right now are kind of nodding their head going, yep, I've been there before because I, I feel like that's, <laughs> that's a, a common kind of, uh, you know, part of the learning curve for, for a lot of folks is like, all right, I, this feels good. Like I can do this for, you know, for 5K. Um, so let, like, let's just attack the 10K or we get comfortable with the 10K and you're like, all right, like let's go to the half marathon, which is, you know, just, just a touch more than, than twice that distance as well. So then you, you start to kind of pace as your 10K pacer. I'll just slow it down just a little bit, but nope, it's, it's not just a, a you know, it's kind of like the, the running math. I feel like sometimes, um, even though it might be twice the distance, it's not, um, the, the effort and the, the energy requirements aren't just, it's not just twice as much. Like there's usually like a little, it, it, I kind of feel like it's almost a little bit exponential as far as how you have to pace yourself and how, how you have to uh, manage your energy to get to the finish line. Have you kind of, I feel like that's maybe kind of what you're, what you're saying, but have you kind of found that to be true as, as well? Yeah, it has. And I feel like I've told myself if I can feel comfortable with a 10 K I will train for the half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's sort of the stepping stone. I, I think that almost anybody this is what my wife says. She's not a runner. And my wife tells people who are thinking of doing run Disney that anybody can do a 5k mm-hmm. that it's, if you just put your mind to it, whether you run it or you, you, you know, do a light jog or you walk it, anybody can do a 5k. Um, and we saw that in run Disney, there was mm-hmm. just about anybody of any walk of life, any age, any condition doing a 5k. But you know, doing a, a 10K is more challenging, um, but I feel like if I'm now more comfortable with the 10K and I have friends who are runners and are telling me, oh, you could totally do the half, that I'm now getting to the point where I'm saying to myself, I probably should. And I have given myself a deadline of doing the half and plenty of time, actually. I have always wanted to do the 
uh, Star Wars half marathon mm-hmm. weekends because I love the layout of the course for the half for that weekend. So although I think it's too late for me to do it this year, I've set a deadline for 2021 for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary year to do the Star Wars half marathon. So that will be on my my list of things to do in the next year, year and a half. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are you a big Star Wars fan as well? Yeah, I am. I feel like that's a loaded question a lot of times because <laughs> when you say you're a big Star Wars fan, it really ranges. There are the right, big Star Wars right. fans who just love watching Star Wars. And then there are the really big Star Wars fans who know everything about every character and just every single scene. And I'm not one of those Star Wars fans. I would probably bomb in Star Wars trivia, but I do really love Star Wars and enjoy watching the movies and the series and all that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I haven't done the Star Wars race yet. Um, I've I've gone to spectate it uh, a couple of times, uh, but I haven't I haven't run it. And and part of it's just like like I mean, I'm 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 not even in the in the ballpark of big. I'm casual, I guess. Casual at best. Star Wars fan. I, I've and not seen any of the new ones. I, I kind of hung it up after I saw the you know the the prequels uh, and and uh, kind of gave, gave up the ghost on it after that. Um, but uh, it's just like. Like I don't know. I I mean I I it's still I would still be a fun race, I'm sure. And, and yeah, like you said, the, the course is is any, any I feel like anytime that there's a different run Disney course, like that's that's a, that's an improvement to me. Like it's it's something something different than the than the standard course. Um so that's that's always fun. Um but yeah, you know, if 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 uh not if when when you decide to do it uh in the next year and a half or so, uh you'll enjoy it and and no doubt at all uh that that yeah, I mean you'll be you'll have no problem uh, you know, figuring out the pacing by then and, and, and controlling yourself and going out nice and easy and just enjoying yourself, having fun and, and crossing that, uh, that first half marathon finish line, uh, and at Disney world, no, but no better place to do it. I, I totally agree. I was going to say that if you asked me to do a half marathon here in New York, although they don't have many half marathons, they have the full New York city marathon. I'd probably say no thanks only because I don't feel like running through the city, but if you tell me to run, you know, a half marathon in, in Walt Disney world, it's a lot easier to convince me to do it because I am a theme park buff. And so to give me the opportunity to even move in any way through the parks that early in the morning, when the sun's rising, and I know eventually the sun does come up and it gets a little <laughs> hotter at that point, but before guests are in the park and the Star Wars half course in particular runs through Animal Kingdom where I worked, it's my favorite park, and to walk, run through Pandora. And I'm sure, although I can't actually recall if they gave the official course map for the Star Wars weekend this year, if they end up running through galaxy's edge mm-hmm. that's really going to be another incentive for me to do it because how cool would that be for the star wars oh, yeah. half marathon to run through star wars galaxy's edge i mean yeah i haven't i haven't seen any any courses yet i haven't really been looking so it could be out there but um and by the time people listen to this it may it may well be out there um it could yeah <laughs> but uh i would be i would be shocked if if it doesn't run through uh galaxy's edge like i mean i i would be absolutely dumbfounded that they wouldn't wouldn't take advantage of of doing that and the the photo ops and the i i i i don't want to make any bold guarantees but i'll i'll make a a less than bold guarantee that that it probably runs through there for sure and i'm gonna even throw a prediction out there just because when i was in galaxy's edge last time i was mapping it out in my head and we were talking about it my guess is that that the course is going to begin and you're going to run through the backstage gate by the millennium falcon at uh, Smuggler's Run, going to hook a left past the cantina and the blue milk stand, 
and then run on the outskirts of uh, Batu of the village because you'd probably not have you run through the village. There's too many stairs involved with that. Mm-hmm. And then run past the entrance to Rise of the Resistance into the park or perhaps the backstage gate. But that's my guess or prediction for how they're going to move the course through Galaxy's Edge. We'll see if I'm right. If yep. not, then yep. that's fine too. It, it'll get there somehow. There's there's little doubt in my mind that, that it will. And and, <laughs> um, and and that's that's where that's where the line for pictures is going to be. You know, when it when it comes that's to right. when it comes to the Run Disney races, there's I feel like there's there's always a little bit of a line here and there, but there's always like that one or two where it's just like. You know, people are waiting and, and, and uh, you know, nothing wrong with it. Waiting five, eight, ten minutes to get their photo at a certain place with a certain character. Uh, and for, for Star Wars, the, the Star Wars race, um, that's where it's going to be without without a doubt. Yeah, we'll see. I we'll hope see. so. We'll see. Indeed. Um, where did, uh, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit here, Matt, but but where did the uh, the love for, for Disney come from? I mean, like like you mentioned, and like I, I mentioned in the uh, the intro, you, you worked there uh, for, for a time. You're a cast member at Walt Disney World. Um, but But, you know, was that... I don't know if that was your first kind of exposure to the parks and to, into the Disney magic, or has that been a lifelong thing or where did, where did the love for, for Walt Disney world come from? It's a common question I get. It is a lifelong thing. I don't know where it came from. I, I honestly don't because, because it literally started from childhood, mm-hmm. my earliest memories, even before I, I can't place a particular moment in time where I all of a sudden said to myself, wow, I really love Disney. It was just always part of my my, uh, you know, personality and state of mind that I loved Disney. And as I got older, I shifted my mindset from, and by older, I mean 10, you know, 10, 11 years old, <laughs> right. uh, from loving what Disney had to offer to being more curious about how it worked and growing a fascination with the history of Disney. And so I bought in the parks books on Walt Disney Imagineering I was a fan of Roller Coaster Tycoon and would try to build my own versions of different attractions. And at one point, I even thought to myself, I might go to school for Imagineering or for engineering more specifically. Ultimately shifted direction on that one. But I, when I was 12 years old, wrote a letter to Roy E. Disney asking for his advice for how I can maybe one day work for Disney. And lo and behold, two weeks later, I got a letter back from him in the mail, personalized, and it truly was answering all my questions. It was really, really nice of him to write it. And I've had that letter hanging up uh, in my, it was in my room when I was a kid, and now it's in my home office, just as a constant reminder. And of course, the college program, uh, was sort of my realization of that dream. When I was 18, I learned about the Disney College program from a friend of mine who was in college and who did it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's my chance to get my foot in the door. And I did it. And my parents, I think, had this impression that maybe when I was there 24-7 and when I learned how it all worked and I saw behind the scenes, the you know the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. that I would perhaps be saturated with my love of Disney and it just didn't, you know, the cup didn't <laughs> fill, the cup got bigger. Right. So it's, it's just been this thing that every time I dive deeper into Disney, I just grow this deeper love for the brand. And I don't know what it is about it, but, and it could be the, the mission of creating happiness and it does make me happy or, you know, the detail that goes into the parks, it's all the things that people talk about that they love about Disney and uh, for me, it's just always been something I've I've truly loved. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, did you did you stick around after your your college program for for a while, or were you were you down there for for that duration and then and then back to 
I don't know, back, back to regular, I don't want to say regular school, but back to, back to, (laughs) back to regular school and, and moving forward in that, in that direction. I do think some people get that bug and they find themselves just wanting to work for Disney for the rest of their lives and maybe they'll finish school and then just go back and that's what they'll do. For me, I had really big ambitions and I went back to school. <clears throat> I did stay seasonal with Disney, which was a lot easier back when I did the college program. Now it's a lot harder to do. And I ended up doing the campus representative position as well at my campus. So I was not only staying working for Disney, but also advertising and talking with students on my campus about the college program more formally and then doing the not doing the presentations, but helping get people into those presentations to uh, get them to apply for the Disney college program. And I ended up then after that getting a, you know, quote unquote, real job, uh, my first real full time career job which is actually the company that Chris works for and how we met years down the line. I still, and I still work there. And, uh, I, you know, got my first marketing job out of school. I went to school for marketing. And then I eventually a few years later went back for my MBA. And when I went for my MBA, I ended up doing the Disney professional internship and I worked for Disney vacation club on their marketing team. And I, at the time thought to myself, you know what, I have a marketing job at Disney. This is the dream. And this is what I'm going to be doing. I, built, I did everything the right way. I ended up talking to 10 plus potential mentors in marketing positions I dreamed to maybe have one day at Disney. And all of them except one, it was literally nine out of 10 said to me for what you want to do, my recommendation is actually to leave Mm -hmm. and to go get experience elsewhere because it's going to take you a long time to move up the ladder at Disney with so many people here. But if you go and get experience and move up the ladder faster, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, it's going to be a lot easier for you to make the jump back. And that advice was spot on because even the, the title that I have in my real, not my real job, my, my job now. <laughs> right. so, so I have a habit of saying that. Um, and my job now is, because Disney seems like a dream, is uh, is a much higher title, much quicker than had I stayed at Disney. And it will, if I do decide to make the jump, be easier. That being said, since then, things have changed. And I, you know, my wife and I, both our families are here. Mm-hmm. We have a huge, um, you know, love of having family around and it would be hard for us to make the move to Orlando or to Anaheim, even even harder to do something like that. And there are positions for Disney in New York, but that's how my podcast came about was I thought maybe I'll make my own job that's Disney related. Mm -hmm. And that'll be my, uh, you know, realization of that dream of, uh, you know, not only working for Disney, but doing it in my own way. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I feel like that's more and more to me, kind of the, uh, the the dream right there is kind of you know find finding what you really like to do, but doing it on your own own terms and kind of making making your own thing, which is you know kind of where where this this ship keeps keeps moving in that right direction. So I kind of keep riding it for as as long as we will. But um, you know, in typical you know talking to another podcaster action, like you tee me up right there with with kind of getting into into your podcast. So let's let's not uh, uh, let that <laughs> let that pass away. Um, Yeah. So, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, passion for Disney and kind of, you know, life is, is, you know, maybe not completely derailing that, that, that goal, but you know, it kind of throws a little bit of a curve and and makes sense. It happens to all of us. Uh, So you have this opportunity to kind of start doing a podcast and, and uh, kind of, like you said, making, making your own job. That's, that's kind of still Disney related. Um, You know, was it a, 
when, when you first had the idea for the Imagineer podcast, was it something that took a while to get going or was it something that like when it, when it, when the inspiration struck, it was like, yes, this is, this is the thing. And, and it was going right off the bat. I think I've had the idea in the back of my head for a decade, to be honest. <laughs> so maybe it didn't take, it didn't take that. Uh, it maybe did take a little while to get to it, but I think once I put my mind to the fact that I was going to do it, that it didn't take too long. And especially in the world we live in today. And I know Danny, you know, this pretty well, it's not too difficult to start a podcast. It's more difficult to maintain it and to keep going <laughs> right. and to keep finding the, the the motivation and to think of the episodes that you want to produce. But to start is really easy for a podcaster. You just need to buy a, a even an amateur level microphone and have the uh, you could do it with a laptop. You could even do it with a phone these days. So it was pretty easy to start once I decided to start. And then the question became, well, what am I going to talk about? And so from the very beginning, I've had the same mentality of I'm going to talk what I'm passionate about and hope that people listen. And even if they don't, I'm just going to enjoy doing right, it. Right. And uh, that hasn't led me astray yet. And uh, the show for the last two and a half years has, especially in the last year, year and a half, has just grown a lot more than I thought it ever would. And uh, it's been a real rewarding experience. And it's also nice that it is not a full-time job so that I can feel less pressure to have to do it right and do it the, you know, think about the revenue streams and how I'm going to maintain a full-time job. But it's just a side project that I enjoy doing and it makes it so enjoyable. When, when you know, like you said, you've been thinking about it for a while, finally decided to, to make it make it a thing. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that kind of going, you know, becoming an, an Imagineer was something that was was a goal for you as a kid. I think, I think it might've been a goal for me as a kid too. I think maybe any kid that, that kind of has, has a, a, a fondness for Disney and kind of knows a little <laughs> bit about some of the, the technical aspects of it, or at least, you know, some of the, the, um, uh, what's the, I don't know what the right word is, but kind of, you know, at least here's some of the, the fancy, like what Imagineers do. They're the ones that, that create all these things and dream up all the, the different attractions and the rides and the, the lands and the, the, all of it. Um, I feel like everybody kind of wants to do that at one point, but, uh, you know, what, what led you to go in that direction, you know, at, at, when you started the podcast, as opposed to, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, just a, a more generic Disney themed podcast, what, what made you kind of go focused more on the, the Imagineering side of things? I, I hadn't come across a podcast that I really enjoyed that did it well. And that was part of it was I felt like what, well, you know, there was sort of a gap that I could fill. And also it was something that I really enjoyed. I really love all those little facts and details. Um, I, I'm going to say something without giving any spoilers because it is still pretty, pretty new. But, um, you know, as we're recording this rise of the resistance is still relatively new. And I was actually into watching the full POVs as soon as they came out. And there was a, I watched probably four times before this little thing struck my attention. That was such a minute detail that I completely geeked out. And anybody else who, like, I had almost no, I had one person who's a, a good friend of mine who I built through the show who's, like, a huge Imagineering buff as well. And I messaged him. I'm like, dude, only you're going to appreciate this. But I know this is so, <laughs> such a small detail that, like, nobody would even notice or care about but makes such a huge difference with this ride. And he had the same response. He's like, I know, I know it's the same thing. It's so cool. Um, so it's the, one of those things I just like, I love all those little details that the Imagineers put in there that 
most people will never know, never care to look up, never, never even, you know, think about. And it's those little things that actually make all the difference in the experience. So that's what I love. And that's why I decided to go in that direction. Over time, the podcast has become a more general podcast, Mm -hmm. actually, despite the name of the show, which I haven't changed. But, um, you know, we do talk about movies. We I've done episodes on Star Wars films and Pixar, and we've talked about Disney music. Like it, it definitely ranges a full uh, full range of topics. I eventually need to do a Marvel episode. I still haven't done one, and I said I was going to. <laughs> but uh, in the beginning, it was me talking about the things I had learned growing up that I was a fan of, and you know, let me peel back the curtain a little bit on Space Mountain, the things that you might take for granted as you're riding the attraction. Um, and uh, it seemed to be a formula that some people have found to be really interesting. So mm-hmm. I continue to do those attraction backstory, history, fun fact episodes because people ask for them and I enjoy doing them. Yeah. And it's always, you know, it's always kind of fun, no matter no matter how I, I feel like at least and maybe maybe you have to be at least somewhat of a Disney fan to appreciate some of those things. Um, but it is always fun to kind of to learn some of those little things, especially for the more popular rides that that uh, everybody knows about. So you know, if you don't mind, again, you're te- you're teeing me up, and I, you know, after <laughs> after 800 episodes, I've learned to not not pass by when somebody tees you up for something. Um, you know, some of the things about Space Mountain, I feel like that's a ride that pretty much anybody who's been to to Disney World, at least as long as they don't have really really little kids, have probably ridden Space Mountain, probably stood in line for Space Mountain to to ride it at one point, maybe maybe gotten the fast pass and and jumped to the front of the line. Um, but but what are a couple of those things? For, for Space Mountain in, in particular um, that maybe people don't really know that, that you've kind of learned and, and been able to, to share and, and pull, like you said, pull back the curtain uh, on, on the Imagineer podcast. One of the things is actually about the Disneyland version, which was the second one to be built. And it's something I didn't even realize until years down the line. And even then, I feel like I still, I still almost don't believe it because I haven't <laughs> seen it in person myself, but it makes complete sense. The first time I went on Disneyland Space Mountain, I said to myself, wow, this is fast. Like this, this really is a fast ride. And I know that there's the trick of being in the dark and the turns are sharp and it's there's little micro movements, which make it seem a lot faster. So I knew that side of it, but I'm like, still like it just, it feels faster than, than Disney worlds. And Dis- while Disney world's version does have a max speed of 28 miles an hour and Disneyland's has a max speed of 32. So there is, it is technically faster, but I mean, it really felt faster and like 40, 45. And I learned a few years later that Disneyland's version has industrial fans that uh. blow wind in the building. And I'm like, what absolute geniuses mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can make an attraction feel, they're not gonna see it because in the dark, right. but it's gonna feel faster. Um, and so that's that's one cool little, uh, cool little thing uh, as far as, the, another detail when it comes to the theming of the two space mountains that are in the U.S., uh, Walt Disney World and Disneyland, the Walt Disney World version was built first and it was built in 1975. Um, so the the theming for that attraction, you enter a, a sort of space station called Starport 75. Mm-hmm. And Disneyland's version was built in 1977, mm-hmm. and that is Space Station 77. Um, so they actually, the names of the, the space stations are after the years that the attractions were created. Um, yeah, it's just like there's, there's all these little things that, again, you would never really 
picture or mm-hmm. think about if you saw it. But when you do learn it, um, even the fact that, you know, Walt Disney World's version, they needed to find land for Space Mountain. They built it outside the Walt Disney World Railroad. And, well, mm-hmm. how do you get people to the other side? You build a queue. And that's why in the beginning you go down these You're ramps. Down. You're actually going oh, under the railroad. Wow. Yeah. And then you come back up on the other side. Wow. That's that's so cool. And again, like 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 you said, totally stuff that no one would ever, ever know, except, you know, somebody, somebody tells somebody and it kind of becomes lore, but then you're kind of like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense when you, like, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's, that's why you go downstairs as soon as you walk in. Like, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it totally makes sense, but, um, wow. What, what kind of cool, cool stuff. So obviously anybody that, uh, is a bit of a, you know, even if you're a closeted Disney nerd, uh, definitely, uh, imagine your podcast is, is worth checking out. Um, Matt, curious, you know, with, with, um, you know, if, if I if I heard you correctly, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, um, but doing the podcast for a couple of years, really kind of extending out the running from the 5K, kind of getting into the 10K um, for just about a year now, um, have you seen kind of parallels with? Um, I'll just keep it very general, and you can you can fill me in if 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 there is anything to dive deeper on or not. Uh, but have you seen parallels in in your running and your your podcasting? journeys if you will um or have they been you know as far as progress as far as learning curves anything like that um or have they been fairly unique for you in in the in the time that you've been invested in both areas that's an excellent question i feel like i've probably invested more time and energy into the podcast than into running so i'll start with that but i do think there's some parallels involved i think the endurance factor might have some part in it and in particular the idea of slowing down i've actually had to learn how to slow down my speech in the podcast in addition to slowing down in my running as i look to do you know longer distances or more episodes i feel like that's a parallel is the the slower pace especially i listened back to a friend of mine did a this is a slight tangent. A friend of mine did a uh, who who was a podcaster back in the day, a Disney podcaster, did a a recording of me on Kilimanjaro Safaris, where I worked on the college program, and I listened back to myself, and it must be because I'm from New York, but <laughs> wow, did I talk fast! And I only wish he didn't record me at the end of my college program, but at the beginning, because I could have made a huge difference. Um, But yeah, that's one thing that I've over time just had to learn is how to slow down when I speak. But also, and it does help, I'm able to think through my thoughts more clearly. But with running, it's the same thing of having to slow down. Other than that, I think it's generally speaking, when you are learning to do anything, you are trying to figure out how to do it better. Uh, The only difference I'd say is with uh, the podcast, I do have a feedback loop where I can, one, I can have self-feedback, and I do listen to every podcast episode before it even goes out the door after I've recorded it, but also I have listeners who are basically giving me feedback whenever they have ideas for things to do differently or better, and I do, I have at least a small group of listeners who I don't know other than the show, um, Mm -hmm. but who I've sort of built friendships with them, and Every once in a while, I'll check in with them at least a few times a year to say, hey, how are things going with the show? You know, what can I do better? What would you like to hear that I haven't done yet? Just sort of that gut check. That's one thing I don't have with running because I don't have a coach or a trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, That might be an area where I could develop as a runner is to get a coach or a trainer to have that feedback loop as well. Yeah, that's that's one thing with with podcasting specifically 
that having that feedback is is vital. And um, I know it took, it, I feel like at least, you know, it kind of starts to blur together a little bit, but I feel like it took it took a long time of, you know, you see that people are listening, you know, when you look at the, the little stats and whatnot. Um, right. But it's like, you're like I mean, I feel like I used to beg, like somebody, anybody, please shoot me an email. Let me know what you think of the show. <laughs> um, because, because yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you can, you can listen to it. And I feel like, for a lot of podcasters, and, and I don't know if, if you fall on one end of the extreme or the other, maybe you're, you're one of the, the, the few that, that maybe are more in the middle, Matt, but like, I feel like in the, in the podcasting circles that I've run in, it's like there's either the people that are like the absolute perfectionists, and they go through and spend hours editing and take out every little little spot of, of you know, fraction of a second of dead air, or somebody saying um or ah, or you know, not even when it's excessive, but just you, over the course of natural conversation, you say um once in a while, and no, we've got to take that out. Or there's the ones that are just like, like whatever, it's all good, and it's it's and it's usually probably not. Um, but but having that, you know, where I'm going with this is having that that feedback and that that response that the response from people that listen really help you kind of steer and fine tune and, and hopefully make things you know continue to improve and continue to make things make things a little bit better and, and evolve and grow. Um, and so, yeah, it took, it took me a while to get to that point where I had, you know, people that, that were letting me know things on a regular basis. And now, and now I'm not, I'm not complaining at all. It's, it's awesome to hear, hear stuff fairly regularly. And, and when something's wrong, people let you know, not because they're angry, but just like, Hey, you know, you you forgot to take this thing out or there's an overlap in the audio file or whatever, you know, some of those little mistakes that happen on occasion. Um, so getting that, that feedback is, is huge. And, and certainly something that I don't know if, if you, um, struggle with that at first and it's something that, that's grown over time or with the Disney audience, have they been, been uh, on board giving you feedback from uh, kind of from, from day one? It's probably smart of me to set a tone of the podcast. That's all about optimism and positivity because I've attracted <laughs> that type of audience. So people don't usually have bad things to say, which is a, a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, I feel like for, I, I am one of those podcasters that's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, feel like I'm a perfectionist because nothing's ever really perfect. And also I've experienced if you go too far in that direction, the perfection comes across as, uh, it it comes across not as genuine Mm -hmm. that you're just, it's like a phony podcast. That's if I could say it that way, um, or like over polished. So, but then going the other end, it sounds unprepared. So I like to be somewhere right in the middle and, it's funny, in the beginning, I went always by an outline for the attraction episodes. As I moved through, there was one episode where all of a sudden I actually wrote a script for myself, but I wrote it as a story. And I read it back almost like an audiobook for the episode. And that was one of the most uh, like revered episodes mm. from listeners was that episode. So I said to myself, hmm. Maybe I should script out my pie, right. my, my attractions and read them like a story. So that's what I've done. And those have been the episodes that have actually been the most uh, complimented is the ones where I do have that for attractions specifically, where I have the whole thing scripted out in advance and I read it like a story. Um, the one area where I am a I'm really hard on myself is when I get facts wrong, Mm. um, which I have done. And there's times where I've even said something on the show and I've just like I read it wrong and it came across as even though I knew exactly what I was talking about. And it even in the in the episode, for instance, there's an episode on Tower of Terror. And that's one I really paid a lot of attention to because people love that attraction. I'm like, I can't get these facts wrong. 
And I always knew Tower of Terror is 199 feet. And I said it a couple of times, but there's one instance where I accidentally said 190 feet. I forgot mm-hmm. the second nine in my, mm-hmm. my speaking. And I didn't catch it until it was already even out. I'm like, why did I say that? <laughs> so I was like, I was really, uh, I'm really hard on myself with those, the facts. Cause I feel like I call myself Imagineer podcast. There are diehard Imagineering fans who are listening. They are going to be judgmental if I don't get these facts right. Um, and so I'm almost at a time paranoid about getting something wrong that I'm like, I'll triple check things and say, mm-hmm. is this right? Is it right? Is it just like folklore? Is I'll like open up my books. Is it in here? And there are some things that I have to just kind of trust the process. And, right. Uh, there are some facts that are that are kind of legendary and not necessarily confirmed, but kind you know they do seem to be right and mm-hmm. true. And I'll just say it. Um, but I'm always paranoid that an Imagineer is going to listen and say, you know, that's really not right. It really was this. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, why did I say that? Uh, well, that's you that's know the one area I'm hard on myself. Yeah, that's and that's you know like like you said. I mean, it, it, the ones that are that are really well documented. Like, hopefully you get those right. And if you know if you say 190 instead of 199, but you've said 199 a half a dozen other times, then hopefully people can kind of recognize that hey, you're human. And clearly, you know, you weren't going, you weren't you weren't making your your bet on 190 being the the height of Tower of Terror the whole way through and having it wrong the whole way through. It was it was a slip of the tongue, you know, whatever. But those ones that are kind of unverified, like you know, they're probably unverified for a reason because the people that really know you know either either they're, they're not really talking they're not spilling the beans they're not confirming nor denying so you can probably get away with with those for the most part hopefully yeah and there's actually one specifically with tower of terror that i've never confirmed for myself which is the billboard that's in the lobby just between the or next to the the elevator by the bellhop desk that is the you know the original elevator where the incident happened um all the there's these missing letters on the felt board, and apparently, if you take those missing letters and you rescramble them, it spells "Evil Tower, You Are Doomed." But I've never done the math on that, and I've never actually like gone and looked and like recorded what are the missing letters and can I rescramble them to spell that out? But that's one of those things that I've read somewhere and I've heard multiple times, and I'm like, well, it's it's got to be true because I've, I've just read it everywhere. Note, so note to self next time. Well, I would say next time I write it, but I can never get my wife to, my wife is not like a, a drops fan. So clearly the tower of terror is not for her. Yeah. Um, it's not right then. <laughs> but but my, my daughter, I'm holding out hope for her. She's, she's five. She's not quite reaching the, the height requirement just yet, but she's getting there. She, she loves her some roller coasters already. She loves splash mountain and thunder mountain. So, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, at least, at least once I can get her, you know, come with the old man and we'll go on tower of terror. I'll snap a photo and, and start doing some, some, uh, letter rearranging and see, see if that, uh, it happens to be true or not. I'm, I'm sure it probably is. Like you said, it's, it's probably, it probably is legit, but it'll be, it'd be fun to figure out for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think I've like saw there's like an extra letter. I think I did try it once and I just couldn't finish it for one reason or gotcha. another. Gotcha. Uh, as we're getting, getting close to, to wrapping things up, Matt, a couple of, of kind of broader, uh, maybe, I don't know if they're, I think it's probably not really that generic, but we'll get to it. You know, kind of a couple more Disney questions and we'll tie it back in with, with running one more time and, and kind of get things uh, wrapped up for today. But, um, curious and, and these, these may be almost impossible questions, but uh, I'll ask him anyway, and, and we'll see what happens. That's that's some of the fun times, you know. It's, it's not like we're in court where I'm supposed to be the lawyer, and I only ask questions I know the answer to. I, I like to ask questions <laughs> I have no idea what the answer is for, and, and and see what happens. Um, Walt Disney World. There's Magic Kingdom. I, I don't need to tell you, but for the, the benefit of the listeners, Magic Kingdom, Epcot Center, um, the the Hollywood Studios, and Animal Kingdom. If you could only go to one of the four parks for from now until until the end of time. 
Uh, which park are you going to and why? You know, the way you phrase that question changes everything. Because if you had asked me my favorite park, I would have said Animal Kingdom. But if you asked me, I can only go to one for the rest of my life, that actually would not be my answer. I would say if I could only go to one the rest of my life, I'm really tossed between two. If I was forced to pick one, it would probably be Epcot. Okay. Why? I, it was the park that I had the most affinity for as a kid growing up. Magic Kingdom is the... I feel like is the classic answer because it has the most rides per capita, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, there's there's a lot of attractions. There's the classics. It's got thrills and shows and parades and fireworks. It's got the the full Disney experience. But Epcot for me has always been a place of almost zen for me where I just go to unwind and I feel laid back and I still have a great time. Magic Kingdom, I don't always feel laid back in that park. Mm-hmm. It's It can be hectic and I do feel like I have a to-do list every time I go because there is so much. But Epcot, you can stroll from one thing to the next and you can do thrills and you can do shows and you can eat a lot of great food. So it kind of, for me, has it all and I could – Probably, if I was forced to go to just one, that would be the one I would pick. Okay, I, I can. I I would pretty much agree with most of that. I, I don't know that it would, I would call it my favorite park, but it seems like that's the park that I default to for for a lot of those reasons. It's it's more. I feel like it's more laid back. Certainly, the food, walking around the world, that's lot, lots of lots of things to love there. Um, now now shift into the favorite, although not favorite park, but favorite ride, attraction, show. Um, all of all of the the things to do at at the four parks. Um, I'm not going to say that this has to be the, the, the one that you would, the only one that you would do anything like that again, but what's, yeah, what's your favorite hard. thing? What's, what's <laughs> your, your must do? Hey, we're going, we're going to, to Walt Disney world. We only have a few hours, probably can only get in one or two things. What is, what are the one or two things? And, and they can be even different parks. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll break some time continuum, uh, limits here and you can, you can just bounce from one park to the next. You can only do one or two things. Uh, what are the, what are the one or two rides, attractions, shows, uh, that, that are kind of must do's for you every time you, you go to uh, Walt Disney world. So I actually had an answer for one of all of them because I get this question a lot as well. My one answer for everything is flight of passage right now. That for me is as a whole, just an incredible experience. And it's funny, I get motion sick on most rides that are that type of motion simulator experience, Mm -hmm. but flight of passage, while it can be a struggle sometimes, it's the one where I think it's worth the struggle. <laughs> like Star Tours for me is not worth the struggle. It just makes me sick. It doesn't make me feel good. I, I don't feel like I, I get my value for the motion sickness. But Flight of Passage, I'm like, I can handle it. I can get through it. I'm you know, Even if I have to sit on a bench for like a minute or two after, I'm fine after that. Right. It's worth it because the experience is just so amazing. Um, but <laughs> that would be my Animal Kingdom slash Walt Disney World as a whole. Uh, Hollywood Studios, I'd probably have to say Rock and Roller Coaster. Mm. Uh, funny, roller coasters usually don't make me motion sick. Um, so I'm usually okay with those. Rock and Roller Coaster, I love. Uh, the For Epcot, Living with the Land, totally uh, shifted from thrill, thrill yes. ride to a more calm experience. And I've said for a long time that Living with the Land is underrated. However, for the last couple of years, and Denny, you might have noticed this as well, Living with the Land has been getting weights, like equal to Soren mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. I snapped a shot one day 
It was a 45-minute wait for Living at the Land and 30 minutes for Soren. I'm like, what? I, I don't understand how that is how that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was genuinely that long. If you like, I was in the Land Pavilion and I saw the line for Living at the Land. And I'm like, well, this is why I still get fast passes for this ride, because I want to do it, but I'm not gonna wait 45 minutes for it. Yeah. Um and at Magic Kingdom, I bounce around this answer all the time. It depends on my mood. Today, my mood is saying that it's the Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Classic Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Classic ride. It's got everything going for it. I also have a feeling, by the way, going back to Hollywood Studios, when I do get on Rise of the Resistance, I feel like that's <laughs> that going to be, be my one. too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, so as we're, as we're wrapping up tonight, Matt, uh, kind of shifting back to, to the running side a little bit. Um, like you said, it's it's been about a year now that you've kind of been progressing out from from the 5K to the 10K, um, and 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 even just I mean we can even go a little beyond that into just you know kind of getting into into running as well. But uh, I'm curious if there's if there's one or two things I'm, I'm I'm imagining there probably is a couple of things, but you know if if not you can shoot me down. That's that's all right. That's allowable. Um, but but what have you learned? in your, in your time as a runner so far and, and in, in the progressions that you've made, the growth as you've, that you've made as a runner, um, that, that is a lesson, uh, something that is a takeaway, something that, that you're able to use, whether it's for the Imagineer podcast, whether it's for, um, your quote unquote real job, other areas of life. Um, I feel like a lot of folks can myself definitely included can trace back a lot of things that, that I've learned and running that have helped me in other areas of my life. And I'm curious if you've experienced and, and kind of been able to, to, uh, seminate any kind of, of lessons from the sport of running yet? Um, if not, you're going to, but if, if you have, uh, can you share one or two things that you've learned from running that has, has benefited you in, in other parts of your life uh, so far? Yeah, I think one that comes to mind only because I am a year into this and I feel like there are a lot of people listening who are like, yeah, duh, um, <laughs> like coming from a newbie, but it's incredible to see the you don't know what you're capable of until you try. And I think running is a great sport to to bring that principle to life. Like the fact that I I honestly a few years ago because I did run for like just cardiovascular health, but I was running a mile and I thought to myself, there's no way I could do even, you know, there's no way I could do a half marathon period, right. but I can't even do a 5K. Like I, I just can't do it. It's too I'm exhausted after a mile. I can't even think about running another two miles on top of this. I'm already sweating and like beat. I'm out of breath. Like how could I do two more of these and then some to get to the 5K? And then when I started trying and I reached the 5K mark and a mile became like a walk in the park, I said, well, all right, I guess I can do this. And I feel like that's one thing I've taken away from running is you never really know what you're capable of until you give it a shot and you shouldn't put yourself down. And I never entertained the idea of doing a half marathon, but now I'm saying to myself, why haven't I done it yet? I feel like I'm capable of it and I should just do it, which is why I'm now setting that goal and that deadline of getting it done. Um, so that's one thing I've definitely taken away from it. And again, I feel like it's very generic and is something that all runners agree with or have experienced. The second thing, though, is that it's only worth doing something if you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like at the moment running is not enjoyable for me, it's something I'm I shouldn't be doing. Um, so I try to make it something that is enjoyable for me. Part of the way I do that is by making it also my my time to uh, listen to podcasts. And even if I just listen to music 
for me, it's an excuse to unplug, mm-hmm. although that's plugged into something, but like <laughs> to unplug, unplug from work and mm-hmm. it just focus on breathing and, and just being in the moment and the present. And I think it's actually the third thing I take away from it is, is, you know, if you think too far ahead of how much you have left to run, it's, you start, you know, you start losing, uh, your mentality and thinking, I can't finish as it just got so much left. But if you start focusing on where you are now, just like the next step, the next step, the next step, it becomes a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's, it's only worth doing if you're really worth doing something, if you truly enjoy it. Um, so I try to keep running something that I do enjoy. And even when I do run through it, I, I love to run outside and never run the same course twice to keep myself intrigued. Where can I go next? And that's how I make it enjoyable for myself is to almost make it a game. Like how can I, how can I do something different, a different course I haven't tried before, different path. Um, Nike app keeps me, you know, knowing exactly how far I'm running. So I don't have to worry about anything like that. Uh, but those are probably the two. And I gave you a bonus third in there things that I would take away. I've taken away from running so far. That's, that's awesome. And, and, uh, no worries about feeling like, oh, this is just something that, that everybody's learned because even though we, we may all have, again, you know, I, I think, I think that everybody that was listening, uh, that is listening kind of nodding going, yep, yep. That's, that's spot on, you know, and, and there's so many things that, uh, I'm sure that you'll continue to learn and, and, uh, tie-ins that you'll continue, connections that you'll continue to make, uh, as you continue along towards that, that first half marathon, uh, in the next year and a half or so. And, and who knows what the future holds beyond that. But, uh, Matt, thank you for, for taking the time. Once again, uh, guys, uh, imagineerpodcast.blog is the, is the website, Imagineer Podcast, wherever podcasts are freely distributed. You can find it there, get your Disney fix and, and uh, some details, some, some deep dive details, uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, once again, on, on pretty much all the socials, but Twitter at Imagineer Podcast and on Twitter at Imagineer News, uh, disruns.com slash 802 is the link to take you back to the show notes for today. Uh, we'll have everything linked up as always. You go check check it out. So, uh, once again, Matt, thank you for, for the time tonight. Um, welcome to the running family, uh, even though, you know, thank you've you. been in it for a while, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you got, you got a lifetime left in front of you and I hope that you continue to enjoy it because that's, that's certainly the name of the game. You know, we, we all do this for fun and we all do this to, to enjoy it. Uh, so, so keep having fun, keep enjoying yourself along the way. Uh, and certainly looking forward to, uh, to continuing to follow along and, and hopefully maybe staying in touch and who knows, maybe somewhere down the line, uh, we can, we can share some miles at a, at a run Disney event or, or sit down and, and just share some miles in general or have a cup of coffee, whatever it is. But, uh, appreciated, uh, the chance to, ch- to chat a little bit and I certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward, my friend. Same here, Danny. Thanks so much for having me on the show. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Matt and myself. And as always, it might be a new year, but you know some things don't change around here. Still want to hear those takeaways. Still enjoy hearing what you think, what, what stood out to you, what was, what was your big kind of aha moment. Uh, obviously, lots of talk about Disney today, but, but for me, uh, kind of a, a beyond Disney takeaway uh, was you know towards the end there when Matt was talking about the fact that you know he he only wants to keep running as long as he enjoys it and I think that that for some of us I know I've been here maybe you've been there before hopefully we never go back there again but there's been been times where running uh, ceases to be fun there's been times where whether it's it's getting burned out whether it's uh, being overtrained whether it's just losing sight of the joy that of the fact that we get to go out and run and put our time in and, and burn, you know, burn off some energy, burn off some stress, whatever the case might be. Um, it, it, it can start to feel like a chore. It can start to feel like a job. And when that happens, um, I feel like for, for all of us, I think, 
because uh, I still I still don't think, and, and certainly still correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that any of us that uh, you know myself from the production side, y'all from the listening side, I don't think any of us make our living based on our running performance. You know, still waiting for that first elite to to let me know and say, hey, dude, I'm listening to your show, and uh, I definitely get paid for how I place at my races. If if that's you, please let me know. But uh, otherwise, all of us we do this for fun. You know, there's some level of competition for most of us. There's some level of goals that we try to get, uh, try to achieve, push ourselves. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're investing in the sport of running. We're not, uh, you know, getting, getting paid, getting, you know, the, the compensation from the sport of running. So that means we need to be having fun with it, right? Because if not, why, why keep going? So, you know, my, my takeaway is just that reminder that this always needs to be fun. And sometimes it can, it can. Like I said, sometimes there's been times where it, it doesn't seem so fun for me. And when I get in that situation, um, thankfully now I've been, I've been at it long enough uh, that I recognize that it starts to get stale. It starts to get, get uh, you know, stops being fun and I back off. I'll take a week off. I'll take 10 days off. I'll take a couple weeks off. Usually it doesn't even take that long anymore. Just a few days off. I mean, mix up the routine just a little bit. Add an extra spin day in. Take an extra day off and, and hit the bike. Do some strength. Do some yoga. Get, get in the pool. Whatever it is. Something that mixes it up a little bit. And usually after a day or two of that, like, whew, I'm ready to get back at it. And I guess that's that's where I'm, I'm leading with this takeaway is, is having that willingness to recognize early in the process that you're kind of getting a little bit burned out or that it's not you're not looking forward to your runs as much. And when that happens... Don't try to force it, force the issue. Don't try to push through because it's only going to make the, the dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction with running even worse. So it's almost like when you have a, a feel like a little niggle coming on and you're just like, oh, I'll just power through it. And then usually that niggle gets worse. Well, it's the same type of thing. And, and as runners, again, as, as runners who aren't running for a living, we need to make sure that it's fun. So, you know, take that time off or run with some friends, some different friends or friends in general or run by yourself and, and be in the moment like Matt talked about with podcasts or music or whatever it is. Um, volunteer for a race. There's, there's countless, I don't know, maybe not countless. There's a handful of, of posts and episodes in the archives talking about avoiding burnout and making sure that running stays fun. But do some of those things. High five the kids. Volunteer. Pace somebody. Um, just keep it fun. Just keep it fun. And sometimes that means stepping back for a week, a month, whatever, and letting that, that burnout subside and that joy come back. Because at the end of the day, if we're going to do this, we need to have fun with it. And, and, you know, that's probably one of those lessons and I won't go into it here, but that's probably one of those lessons that extends out beyond, beyond running. You know, there's some things in life that you have to do, whether you like them or not, but there's a lot of things in life that we have the flexibility to adjust. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not enjoying certain hobbies, certain aspects of your life, you can make a change. You can make a change. So, you know, life's too short to be doing too many things that we don't enjoy doing. Uh, so don't be in and running is certainly one of them. So anyway, that's my long rambling takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Uh, would love to hear it. And you know, you know, the, you know, the places, but if this is your first time listening, maybe you don't know the places. So I'm going to remind you, uh, and let you know at Diz runs on Twitter at Diz runs on Instagram, pretty much at Diz runs on all things social, but those are probably my two favorite social media platforms to hang out on. Uh, so you can, you can tag me in a post. You can slide into the DMS at Diz runs on Instagram and Twitter. You can also shoot me an email, Diz runs at gmail.com. And that's Diz runs just like it's spelled. There's just like, it's just like it's spelled. Well, yeah, no kidding. Diz. It's absolutely just like it's spelled, but it's also spelled just like it sounds. D I Z R U N S Diz runs at gmail.com. And 
As always, you can head over to the show notes today. We got photos of, of Matt and some Disney photos and things of that nature. Dizruns.com slash 802 is the link that will take you right back to the show notes for today's episode. And there's a comment bar at the bottom of the, of the page. Uh, and you can leave your comments, feedbacks, thoughts, takeaways there as well. Dizruns.com slash 802. And uh, that's where we'll, we'll start to pull this ship into harbor. But before we completely dock it up, uh, just a reminder, Dizruns.com slash Wineab. Dizruns.com slash Y-N-A-B. If you want to check out, uh, but again, like I said at the beginning, game changer for Rebecca and I. Um, it's not going to, you know, all of a sudden make you a millionaire, but it helps you keep track of where your dollars are going, which, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing sometimes how you can kind of take control of your finances by just being a little bit more intentional with where your money goes. And like I said, it saved us a, a $85 expenditure that, you know, with Christmas presents and stuff, probably would have flown under the radar. But because of WineApp, we uh, we caught it. And that was, you know, not chump change right there. So uh, check it out, disruns.com slash WineApp to get yourself one free month. And then if you like it, you get yourself a second free month. So two free months for the price of, I don't know, for the price of a year, I guess. But whatever. Check it out. If you have questions on it, let me know. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. First episode of 2020. Not the last, or first interview, I guess. There's been a quick tip already. But first interview episode of 2020. Not going to be the last one. So uh, hope you uh, enjoyed this one. Hope you'll stick around and, and uh, stick with me for uh, the rest of the year. Some of you, maybe this is the, the first year. Some of you, this is the sixth year. Going into the sixth year of the show. Can't believe it. But thank you guys for your time. Thank you for your attention. And uh, until next time, please be well. Take care. And we'll talk soon, right? See you guys.